Welcome into a winning edition of the Designated Forest Simon podcast. Rob Wong, Josh Goldberg with you. You can find us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod, at Rob Wong 34 and at Goldberg 12 And yes, we are recording this episode after the Blue Jays' incredible victory over the Oakland Athletics 2-1, to Josh. They uh, squeak past the worst team in all of Major League Baseball salvaging one game in the three-game series, uh, a set that I think a lot of people expected the Blue Jays to come in and uh, at the very least win two out of three and possibly sweep, but uh, they hang on for dear life and Bo Bichette hits a big solo homer to give the Blue Jays the series win, some uh, great pitching as well, but uh, that ended a five-game losing streak and, you know, while uh, it's a positive that they were able to get a win and now they're off to, I guess, uh, Seattle for a, a big series against the Mariners, the uh, tone of this podcast still isn't going to be particularly good because they, this is a team that uh, ultimately, while they are a good team, you know, the offense is strong. There are some flaws within this squad and uh, we will get to a bunch of them, but uh, just your overall thoughts on how things have been going since uh, our last pod. Yeah, not great. And for a number of different reasons, you know, I think you have to acknowledge the fact that the tragedy with Mark Budzinski and, and his daughter certainly played a factor in some of these ball games. Like you, you do have to incorporate that into the equation and that, that is absolutely legitimate uh, thing to talk about, but yeah, the baseball has been real bad for the better part of a couple of days. And it just, you know, the, the big issue is the pitching is just not good. It's just not good. I, I don't know any other way to say it. There's just too many guys who can't get the job done right now. The bullpen to me is still a huge problem, still a mess. You know, you're, you're claiming jobbers off the scrap heap. And I know the, the jokes write themselves with, you know, Shatkins doing their thing. They're dumpster diving like they always do. Bit of it is true, especially when it comes to the bullpen. Like I, for a second, I thought it was Brad Peacock. And then I was like, what? And then I looked it up, Matt Peacock. He doesn't yeah, strike the, anyone uh, out. It's the dollar store version of Brad Peacock. Yeah, who sucks now also. So if he's the dollar <laughs> store version of a shitty pitcher, it's not going to be great. I assume he's not going to make much of an impact. Like, we'll see what happens. Anthony Bonda, I know, has some decent peripherals, but give me a break with that. Fuck. Like, there's just, I understand it's difficult. You know, you're going to have to overpay right now to make those moves. But right now, you look at the, until the deadline, we're about just under a month. I think we're 27 days away from the deadline. You have a pretty forgiving schedule, but as we just saw, that doesn't necessarily matter when you lose two or three to the horseshit Oakland A's. You know, if you don't address things in the next 27 days, or certainly maybe even in the next two weeks, you know, this bullpen is more than capable of blowing you games that you need to win against, against bad teams. So I just don't know what they're going to do. It's not in their nature to really make panic moves, but the bullpen is just, it's, you, you can't avoid it. And the rotation is starting to become a big enough problem that you might have to address that sooner than later as well. And certainly by the deadline, pitching's a mess and, and a real concern. And I, I don't know what they're going to do over the next couple of weeks because there are no easy answers. No, there's definitely no easy answers. The uh, internal options, as you mentioned, are few and far between, which is why they've had to go out and get some guys like Matt Peacock and Sergio Romo and uh, Anthony Bonda and who knows who else uh, before we get to uh, the trade deadline when we are expecting the Blue Jays to make some move to uh, shore up the pitching, whether it's the bullpen or the starting rotation. But, uh, you know, the offense was spectacular in June. It has cooled off here in 
July, and uh, we'll get to some of the uh, reasons why. But I think, you know, one of the positives you have to take is the fact that, you know, Jose Barrios, nice bounce back today. I know it was the Oakland Athletics. It is the worst offense in all of baseball. But I just think from, you know, an eye test standpoint, uh, it looked a lot better. It looked more like Jose Barrios when he is on as opposed to Jose Barrios when he is not on, when he's scattering it all over the place. Still, you know, didn't get a ton of whiffs against this uh, Oakland A's team. Got a lot of called strikes, which I guess, you know, could be a good sign as well that he was hitting his spot. Spots and, um, you know, the Oakland A's were just very glad to uh, just take pitches uh, in the strike zone as he was all over it today. Um, but, you know, still positive. I thought last time out against Tampa Bay, got a little bit unlucky there in that start. It wasn't amazing by any means, but, you know, some balls that were not hit particularly hard, some squibbers that uh, got through that only allowed him to get through uh, five innings. But you look at uh, this stretch now, uh, he had, you know, back-to-back good starts. Before that, it was two bad starts. Before that, it was three really good starts. So I think we're still in a situation here where we obviously need to see more from Jose Barrios. But uh, I think it's just good to see that, unlike Yusei Kikuchi, who we will get to, you know, there have been positive signs that, you know, maybe he's coming out of it a little bit. He's moved back over to the, you know, third base side of the rubber, which uh, he has been, you know, previously in years where he's had success. So I think at the very least, you know, you can see some tangible improvements with Jose Barrios that, you know, kind of give you some hope that maybe not he's, you know, figured it all the way out, but he's starting to come around. Yeah, there's some positive signs, no question. Yeah, I, I am definitely weary of the fact that he's just not really missing any bats. And that to me is is a concerning trend that if it doesn't rectify a little bit, he's just going to be prone to blow ups when you're just relying on commanding both sides of the plate and being pinpoint with that command and, and getting those called strikes. And if you're just the littlest bit off or more, which has been the case where he's just been missing dead red basically then you're then big league hitters and good good big, big league hitters are going to tee off on you he just doesn't have right now consistency enough like in terms of a great equalizer where that curveball is uh you know consistently at his beck and call because his fastball just hasn't been good enough nearly enough this year to set it up that's what his fastball does it sets up his curveball and his change up a little bit and it was better today and it's been better a bit of late in, you know, four or five of the last seven or eight starts or whatever it's been, but there's still some concern there. Definitely positive trends. You can feel decent about him maybe building. Whereas you look at somebody like Kikuchi and there's just, there's nothing, there's nothing there. It's just a void of just an, you know, just gaping chasm right now where (laughs) I honestly don't know what, what you do. And like you're not DFAing him. I think they're going to figure out a way to just basically keep him on the roster, but find a way to not start him before the all-star break to allow him to just reset and work. But that was so fucking brutal to watch the other night. It was just like, I wanted to ram my head through my TV watching it. It's just like, I, I, I honestly had, was at a loss for words. It's like, he d- didn't throw his fastball. And then when he did, he was drilling guys and he missed all over the place. Like his, his map on baseball savant of where he was throwing his pitches was like a horror movie. Just like, honestly, like would give you nightmares looking at it. And yeah, he had a good start against Tampa. You throw that out the window because outside of that, since the calendar flipped to June, he's been atrocious and that's probably putting it lightly. Yeah. It's such a weird situation because, 
you know, it's hard to really speak in depth on it because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, you know, we've heard uh, people around the team talk about the fact that, you know, the Blue Jays have been trying to get him to use the fastball more. And he, you know, ditched the cutter for a bit there. Then he brought it back. I mean, they've been doing everything possible to try to find a comfort level um, for Yusei Kikuchi and to work on some of the things that Pete Walker and the coaching staff have been trying to uh, implement. I know everybody loves to read the body language of uh, Yusei Kikuchi and say it looks like a guy who's scared, looks like a guy who doesn't want to be out there. I mean, I've never really you know, into that kind of stuff, it's, it's impossible to tell, you know, what's going on in someone's mind. You kind of see what's happening on TV, but you never know um, for absolute certainty, but it's pretty evident that this guy is just not in a good spot right now, whether it's mechanically, whether it is mentally, it's just a mess right now. And, uh, you know, we did see Charlie Montoyo say, uh, prior to the series finale against the A's that, you know, they're still talking about what they're going to do um, with Yusei Kikuchi, that all options are on the table. And uh, one of them could be to give him a break, to skip a start. Uh, with regards to Kevin Gossman, he will not make the start Thursday against Seattle as he recovers from that uh, ankle bruise. And there's a potential that he can make the start on Sunday, which would have been Kikuchi's shot uh, in the rotation. So um, that's definitely possible that they they skip a start and just give him a week and a half, couple weeks off here just to get a break. I mean, yeah. you know, they could have done the phantom IL. Uh, and then of course he comes out and pitches really well against the Tampa Bay Rays, but now he's fallen off uh, the horse again here uh, with the start against the Oakland A's. So I feel bad for the guy because it's, you know, I'm sure he's trying. It's not as if you say Kikuchi is out there just mailing it in, uh, ready to take home his $16 million this season. Like the guy obviously, you know, cares and, you know, hearing his comments after the start against Tampa, like he was talking about how he was happy to get after it with the boys after the game. And they've been trying to cheer him up and just, you know, kind of keep him on the rails here because it's just been a disaster of a season for him. Um, but, you know, as uh, Mr. Josh Donaldson once said, this isn't the try league, it's the get it done league. And uh, he's not getting it done right now. And the Blue Jays have aspirations of, you know, making the playoffs and beyond that. Um, so at some point, you know, maybe they have to make a decision. Uh, like you said, I don't think they're DFAing him. I think, you know, maybe it's a position where they put him in the bullpen, which also isn't ideal. No. Um, but, you know, he's not being sent down. He's not being released. He's not being traded. Like he's going to be on this team. And you know, as I keep saying, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but you see flashes, right? It's not oh, yeah. as if it's constant. Like I know it's recently, it's just been a train wreck and, but there's still flashes where it's like, you know, he'll throw four pitches wide of the zone. And then the next guy will strike out on three pitches on a nasty, you know, change up or a nasty fastball at 97. And you're like, what is happening here? Like, yeah. how do you just lose it all of a sudden? Yeah. And then you come back and you look like Randy Johnson, like this doesn't make any sense. So I think that's got to be maddening for him and maddening for the coaching staff that every once in a while, it'll be like, okay, he's back. And then the next time he faces a batter, he's just completely lost it. So, you know, we don't have any answers. It's pretty clear that the Blue Jays staff doesn't have any answers. Uh, it's just, as I keep saying, going to be a work in progress. And I'm not saying it's going to get any better. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to get any worse, but you know, that's kind of where they're at right now. They're just trying to figure out, you know, how to make this work because they, they need the innings too. It's not as if, you know, yeah. they have options down in the minors. We, we saw Thomas Hatch. Uh, they're Woof. not going back there. They're Yikes. not going back to that. We'll see Casey Lawrence make the start against Seattle on Thursday. 
these are their options right now. Yeah. Max Castillo can't come up for another few days unless uh, Gossman goes on the IL, which, you know, doesn't seem likely, uh, but that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. And what I've been jarred by is Charlie is just shredding Kikuchi after these bad starts. And I don't really blame him because at, at some point, like I understand you want to pick a guy up. Don't kick him while he's down. The guy is absolutely screwing the team over, not intentionally, obviously, but he keeps, you know, delivering these two, three, four at best inning starts and you completely gas out a bullpen for a couple of days. So he's just really fucking everything over in a, in a sense. And I can understand being pissed off about that because it just, it has a chain reaction on the rest of the ball club, right? Obviously the bullpen, the rotation and the lineup, just having to dig out from an early hole because your pitcher just has nothing in the tank. And we saw that uh, with, with uh, Kikuchi, I guess it was on, you know, Tuesday, he just, he, he gets behind early, they dig out, but you know, you're just swimming upstream when you're spotting a team, a couple of runs without really, uh, you know, making them earn it. You gave them two runs right out of the gate. And he's done that too many times. And if he's not making starts, it's bad right now in the rotation. Like Manoa, I don't know what went on there the other night with the velocity being a bit down. I, I'm just going to, I don't want to go down that road because it's too dark for me to, to question what's going on with Alec <laughs> Manoa. Cause if he's not good and healthy, then good, good Lord. Ross Stripling has been nice, but Ross Stripling to me is kind of a five and dive guy, which is nice as a five man in the rotation. But right now he's like, where is he with Gosman hurt? He's your second starter because Brios has been bad and Kikuchi has been awful. And, you know, it just, there's not a lot in the rotation right now. I thought it was going to be an area of strength coming into the season. And for a variety of factors, injury, inconsistency, just overall horrific starts from some guys, it's become a real weakness. And the bullpen, I still think is, is pretty far and away the big area of need because you need multiple arms, but the rotation is, a close second. You need to add something. I, I'm not necessarily saying it needs to be Luis Castillo or Frankie Montas, even though he's got a shoulder issue. Like Jose Quintana would look pretty good right now. He did a nice job against the Yankees uh, the other night. Not flashy or anything, but at least he's a lefty who can come in and throw some strikes and limit hard contact and give you five, six innings, something like that, and give you a chance to win. That right now would go a long way. You just want starters who can give you a chance to win ball games. And of late, they just haven't had nearly enough of that. Yeah, I think, you know, Jose Quintana, as you mentioned, is kind of a perfect target, a guy that can go out there, a veteran guy that's not going to get uh, killed uh, every time he steps on the hill. Like, he's not going to be uh, amazing, but he'll, you know, give you some serviceable innings. And I think at this stage, you know, with, you know, the Blue Jays offense has cooled off uh, the last little bit here, but in June, they were the best offense in all of baseball. They didn't need you to go out there and give them six innings of one run ball. They just needed you to not, uh, you know, get killed in four or less innings, which Kikuchi was doing and Jose Barrios was doing for a yeah. while there. So, I mean, and the worst part was those guys were pitching on back-to-back -back days. Yeah, it was dude, so right? bad. <laughs> so, you know, we saw what happened in Milwaukee when neither of those guys was able to get, I think, out of the third inning. Yeah. Um, and it just completely destroyed the bullpen. And it just, like you said, it's a chain reaction. It just goes throughout your whole team uh, with your rotation, with your bullpen, and it's just an absolute mess. But you know, we're going to keep getting the Kikuchi uh, comments and thoughts, you know, even if he uh, misses this next start and uh, gets a break until after the all-star break. But uh, yeah, it's just no one really has any answer 
uh, as of as of right now, what's going on with him, and uh, only he knows why he uh, continues to struggle so so much. So we talked about the uh, relievers that have uh, joined this team recently: Anthony Bonda, Sergio Romo, and uh, Matt Peacock, who uh, was just added uh, in the before the series finale against the Oakland A's. We have yet to see him pitch yet, but you know, as far as Sergio Romo goes, I know I. Uh, was crapping on it on Twitter. So I know I. you were as yep. well. I think everybody was. I, I think yeah. there were very few people that were like, oh my God, this is uh, such an amazing move. Everybody's thinking, okay, you've already got a bullpen devoid of swing and miss talents. So why are you bringing in a guy who throws 85 and, you know, has a nice little slider that he can still, you know, get some whips from time to time, but he's not a big strikeout guy. He generates a lot of soft contact. And this year wasn't doing very much of that. It was giving up a ton of bombs. Uh, I will say, I mean, it's early returns, but he's looked a lot better um, than I expected. But even then, he's still a guy that you're not putting into leverage. I mean, you're not bringing Sergio Romo into a one-run ball game in the seventh or eighth inning. He's a guy that's going to come in to, you know, blowouts, or he's a guy that's going to come in when you've got four or five run lead, unless, you know, it's back-to-back days where some of the other guys can't go. I mean, he's got a ton of experience, obviously, three-time World Series champ, a long-time closer. You know, he's a guy that's been around, but um, still, he's not enough. Same with uh, Anthony Bonda, Matt Peacock, a guy that, you know, gets a lot of ground balls, but a 13% uh, strikeout rate. It fits in perfectly to this uh, yeah. bullpen. You don't need strikeouts. Matt Peacock's your guy. He'll just, uh, you know, get guys to pound it into the dirt. And I get, look, uh, you know, swings and misses are great and strikeouts are awesome. There are other ways of getting outs and the Blue Jays have a lot of those guys, but um, it's just band-aid options at this point. I mean, there's a chance Matt Peacock doesn't even make it through the week. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays send him down. I think he has options. So, you know, that uh, definitely helps them as well with some uh, potential roster moves. But, you know, when we're looking at the trade candidates, we've talked a lot about them. You know, David Bednar, who you keep banging the drum for, you know, David Robertson. It's, it's the same guys over and over. Um, but the question is, I mean, if you're the Blue Jays, when are you going to be willing to pull the trigger? Because nobody yeah. else has yet. So it's not as if, you know, other teams are out there uh, making splashes and, you know, adding the relievers, um, you know, nonstop. Like they haven't gone on a reliever run yet um, so far during this trade deadline. But, you know, we thought maybe last week would have been a moment where the Blue Jays, you know, make a move. They did get Romo and they did get Bonda, uh, but we thought maybe a trade could have been in the works because that was such a big week. And in hindsight, uh, it definitely was. Uh, yeah. You won the first uh, four of five games, but then you lose the last three and uh, ends up not being a great week for you. But, you know, I just wonder, uh, we know we're less than a month away here. At what point do you just kind of have to sack up and say, you know what? I don't love the prices, but our team needs the help right now. We got to do something. And, you know, you just pull the trigger, even though it stings, whether it's a Jordan Groshans or, you know, if you're swinging for the fences and Aurelvis Martinez, like you don't love it. And yeah, sure. Big picture spending, uh, you know, trading a position player for a reliever, uh, no matter how, you know, amazing they might be, yeah. you know, long-term value, maybe that's not great. But you're yeah. not concerned about the long-term value uh, right now. You're concerned about the 2022 season, which is slowly slipping away from you as far as, you know, getting the first wild card. I'm not saying the Blue Jays are going to miss the playoffs. They're in a playoff spot. I think they're three and a half, four games up right now on Cleveland for that final wild card spot. Um, so they're still in the mix here. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's getting uh, late early here, as they like to say. It really is. And uh, I don't think that the price is going to co- be that costly for rent and relievers like you know trade some prospects mid-tier prospects for relievers you make those deals 
all the time and you should feel comfortable with them. I will say uh, I have found another uh, target that I think has rapidly moved up my rankings list. Uh, Joe Jimenez on the Detroit Tigers. He's got some control, throws hard, misses bats. He's improved his command, has some leverage experience. It's been kind of spotty, but we were big when we did a uh, particular radio program after uh, ball games in the past. When we talked about the bullpen, we like to use the circle of trust analogy. And last year, there were some guys who worked their way in. Right now, you look at the bullpen in terms of who firmly has two feet in the circle of trust. Jordan Romano, I think Adam Simber's pretty close to having two feet. That is it. That is it, my friend. You look at the rest. Tim Meza has been dreadful since coming off the IL. I don't know what's going on there. It breaks my heart because I love Tim Meza. David Phelps, no. Like, I, you know, it's just that's not a high leverage guy that I feel great about because he, you know, he has to dot his fastball and maybe play it up in the zone to get swings and misses. Maybe he has one foot in. I, I don't feel horrible, horrible about it. But right now, there's just not a lot of guys that Trevor Richards is back. No, no, thank you. He's not there. So basically, you have one or two guys who you firmly feel like, okay, these guys can get the job done in high leverage spots. That is a major problem because you would like to have, you know, four or, or five or as many as possible. Two is certainly not going to cut it. And one of those guys relies on pitching to contact. It's a real bad spot to be in. And if you need to get uncomfortable to make trades, you got to do it because it's a recipe for seeing leads and wins turn to deficits and losses. Yeah, look, I, I think with this front office and, you know, the way they view relievers, you know, the, we talked about it before. They have tried to swing for the fences before. You know, they went after a Liam Hendricks. You know, they've mm-hmm. talked to some other guys in free agency. So it's not as if they're like totally against, you know, trying to get some of these super um, talented, you know, big time relievers. You know, that's not it. But I think they're kind of also in a situation here where they're like, you know what, if we can't get the elite guys we're not exactly going to pay for, you know, the mid-tier guys. Like, that just doesn't make any sense, right? If you're going to give up some of your big prospects, you want the talented guys. You want a Joe Jimenez. You want um, some guys with maybe some control. Like, I don't think, you know, trading for David Robertson as much as I would love it, um, maybe they don't want to pay that price uh, because he's a guy that um, if I, you know, have to look up, have to look up to make sure, but I believe uh, he's uh, on the final year of uh, a deal here. Yeah. He's going to be a rental. Free, yeah. Um, at the yeah. end of the season. So he's another mm-hmm. rental. So, you know, rental guys, I don't think they love, right. There's a reason why they went out and got Adam Simber and they got Trevor Richards, right? Like those guys had control, um, you know, heading into this season hasn't worked out for Richards. It's worked out fine for, for Simber. Um, but I, I just think that's how they view it. That, you know, it just doesn't make sense. They have their valuations on what they think players are worth uh, with regards to prospect capital, and unless they're going to get one of the big names or someone that has control, a Bednar, a Jimenez, you know, someone that can actually make a difference. Not saying they're going to keep diving in the dumpster here with the Romos and the Bondas. Like, you know, I think they're probably going to try to get a Simber, a Richards when he's going well, like those types of guys. So I, I just can't see a situation, you know, where um, the Blue Jays kind of work in that middle, and I wouldn't say middle tier, but, you know, like you said, the rental guys, it's either going to be someone that has control and is really, really good, or someone that has control that is in that middle tier. Like the rental guys, I just, I'm not sure I see them um, playing uh, with those prices. Yeah, I guess you could look back to last year and, and pinpoint Brad Hand for Riley Adams, and Riley Adams has been 
not good this year and is back in the minors and they traded for Joaquin story. I, I honestly don't remember who they gave up for him. So there is a precedent that they'll pay something for rental relievers. And both those guys, especially hand stunk the joint up. Soria wasn't very good either. And then he retired. He was at the end of the road uh, as, as it was, but I think that they're like, it's tough. Like you're probably going to have to pay for everyone wants bullpen arms. Look at the Boston Red Sox disaster getting to Tanner Houck and and like they have Schreiber who's pretty good, but it's not great. Like they don't have that kind of bridge situation right now in their bullpen. They're going to be looking Minnesota twins dumpster fire in the bullpen. Emilio Pagan has like an, a million ERA and is still getting leverage spots. Contenders are going to be, you know, anteing up and lining up at the buffet table for relievers. So you're going to have to pay even for rentals. And do you want to, like I said this earlier this week, do you want to be at the big boy table or not? And I know people will say, oh, well, this team hasn't proven enough to be, you know, parting with assets for, like if they have a chance to make the playoffs, build a good bullpen on the fly and give yourself the best possible chance. Because, you know, with their lineup and their ability to, put up crooked numbers. If they can find a way to improve the pitching, you get into the dance, you know, things can happen in the playoffs. You can play better than expected and go on a little bit of a run and have some success. You just got to get there. And right now, I don't think that the pitching staff is necessarily constituted as such to really put them in the best possible position to make the playoffs, even with as bad as the rest of the American league is. So whatever the costs are within reason, like you're not going to trade Elvis Martinez for a fucking, you know, rental reliever. David Robertson. Yeah. yeah you're going to be smart about it and you're going to trust your, your evaluation of your prospects and the ones that you think, you know, kind of fit in these types of trades the, the best, but figure out a way to do it and get it done. And just, you know, I don't want to watch this shit anymore in the bullpen. Yeah. It's driving me nuts. Like I I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated watching these baseball games right now. Yeah. I, look, you made a good point there with uh, Riley Adams and the trade for Brad hand last year. I tried to erase that from my memory. That being yeah. said, Brad hand's been solid this year. He's uh, been not bad. Yeah. He's been not bad. Uh, he's been a lot better than he was uh, last year in his short stint um, with the blue Jays, but maybe that's where they go. Right. They, you know, Riley Adams, he did not have a future with this club, mm. not with Kirk and Jansen and Gabrielle Moreno coming up. Like he was expendable. So maybe, you know, it's guys like that, that we could see the blue Jays moving that, you know, are sort of fringe guys that don't really have, uh, you know, their position is blocked coming up to the major league. So maybe they move those types of players um, for uh, rentals. So, you know, maybe a Samad Taylor or someone of that ilk, right. I, I like Samad Taylor. I'd actually like sure. to see him up here. But, sure. you know, is he going to get everyday reps over any of the outfielders? No, probably not. Uh, barring, you know, two or three injuries to those guys, we're, we're not going to see him. A Logan Warmoth, like those types of guys, you know, are probably the ones that could be uh, on the move for some of these uh, rental relievers. But, uh, yeah, it's just so sad that potentially this season could be sewered by a bad bullpen and potentially a bad rotation, or not a bad rotation, but a rotation that has some holes in it. You know, the offense, uh, all, you know, even though it's gotten off to a slow start here in July, uh, was so, so bad in April. And uh, over the last two months has just skyrocketed uh, up the rankings. And you look at the uh, major league leaderboard now, Blue Jays are fourth in WRC plus at 112 after, you know, such a horrendous start with guys like, you know, Bo Bichette, uh, who just couldn't hit a baseball. Alejandro Kirk, who's going to start the all-star game, couldn't barrel up anything in yeah. April. Um, so the offense, you know, I'm not too concerned about. I know right now, a lot of guys are in some funks. I mean, George Springer, 
is like uh, nine for his last 65. Uh, it hasn't looked great. Bo Bichette had the big homer against Oakland, but before that struck out, I think like 25 times in his last like five or six games, it was something uh, absurd. Like he just was not particularly good. And over, you know, the last month and a bit hasn't been great either. Right. He's really cooled off since that uh, hot May Vladdy, uh, just an awful series finale against the Oakland A's. I think he went, you know, one for 10 in the series against Oakland, a series you would have thought he would come out and just destroy some of their shitty pitchers. That hasn't been the case. So, you know, the offense is always going to fluctuate. It's going to be the ebbs and flows. They're not going to be, you know, putting up a 150 WRC plus every single month. That's just completely uh, unrealistic, but it's really the pitching that I, I'm concerned about. The bats are going to figure it out. Guys are going to go hot. Guys are going to go cold. But overall, they're, they're going to be fine. Um, it is that pitching that needs to be sorted out sooner rather than later. So we've reached the uh, midway point, just a little past the midway point of the season. Blue Jays have now played 83 games. We'll uh, talk about a few players, but if you want to give the team an overall grade uh, at this point, like we said, still in a playoff spot, 45 and uh, 38 on the season. Josh, what is your letter grade for the Toronto Blue Jays? C. They're a C. Relative to expectations. Like it's, I, I, I tweeted this out the other day when they were at the midway point. People were saying like it's a D minus or an F. I, I understand that recency bias can sometimes be a hell of a drug. And they haven't been great. I, 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 they have not been great. I, I will not sugarcoat it. It has been a disappointing start to the season. There have other been other people who say, well, you know, they're in a playoff spot, yada, yada, yada. There were real legit expectations. And it wasn't just, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Blue Jays media, people who cover the team, you're homers. You don't, you know, you have ro- rose colored glasses on. If you look south of the border, a lot of people were picking the Blue Jays to win the World Series represent the American League in the World Series. It was not just a a Toronto, Canada-centric situation. A lot of people thought that the Blue Jays were going to be very good this year, and they haven't been. They've been fine, but it has not been a tremendous season. A lot of guys are underachieving relative to last season, especially offensively, some of the incredible years that guys had. I'm not saying that those are going to be career seasons, especially for the likes of Vladdy or Bo because they're so young. But they had nowhere to go but down in some respects. Like those were perfect seasons, especially early in your career. And as we talk about all the time, progression is not linear. So it's a C. Uh, I thought about going a little bit worse, certainly not higher. No, I was never going to, I'd never considered a, a, even a B minus. I thought, you know, maybe a C minus, but I wasn't going to go, you know, D plus or anything like that. So I think C, you know, very average is what I would say so far. Yeah, you know what? I'll give them the C plus uh, only because, you know, I agree with you. Relative to expectations, it has not been what uh, people have wanted. But it's been such a weird season where at the beginning of the season, you know, the bats were cold, but the pitching was amazing. And they eked out a lot of games because the pitching kept them in it and the bats were able to just score enough. Then, you know, since then, it's been the reverse where the bats have been great, but the pitching has been disgusting and it has been gross. And they haven't been able to match it up Um, really at all outside of maybe a a bit of a stretch there uh, in May and June. But ultimately, you know, they just have not been able to get the bats and the pitching going at the same time. Not like the Yankees or, you know, the Astros or some of these other teams that have gotten off to incredible starts. It's been one thing's working, but the other thing's not. And so because of that, you know, we kind of have to give them a, a C plus. So I'm a little bit better because, you know, we've seen the extremes that when they're at their best, they can be, 
the best offense in baseball and it can be one of the better, you know, pitching staffs in all of baseball. Uh, but it just has not been able to be married up uh, at any point. So a C plus for me and a C for you with regards to the midseason report card. As far as some individual players go, uh, I'm going to give Alejandro Kirk an A+. Plus. I mean, the guy's been phenomenal this year. Best catcher in all of baseball. Going to be starting the uh, American League All-Star game. Uh, it's been a phenomenal season. No qualms with regards to Kirk. Uh, looking around the infield, you know, Matt Chapman, I know it hasn't been great offensively on the whole for the season, but you look at the expected stats. You look at what he's done recently, especially in June. The guy's been phenomenal. Um, I think, you know, he has been uh, a game changer at times with the defense, you know, with the bat at times. Uh, I'm going to give Matt Chapman a solid B. Uh, Bo Bichette, you know, relative to expectations once again. I, I, I'm going to give him a C plus. You know, I was expecting a little bit more, to, to be honest with you. Uh, he's always going to be what he is, but I would have thought, you know, with some level of maturation, you're, you know, getting around the league now. The approach is still the same. You know, he still has some, you know, brain farts uh, defensively, uh, running the bases. There's still some moments of immaturity. Um, so, you know, relative to the expectations where I thought, hey, this guy who's going to start the All-Star game most likely, uh, but maybe, you know, should have started on merit as opposed to fan voting. Um, I'll, I'll give Bo a C plus. That might be a little bit harsh. Second base, Espinal, Biggio. I don't know. You can't give it like a B at the very least B plus, mm-hmm. um, especially BGO of late. And Espinal has been uh, a revelation of course, this season, you know, Vladdy, I mean, it's hard to knock a guy who came off such an incredible season and has still been like 35% better than league average with regards to offense. I think, I think his defense has taken a massive step uh, as well, which is huge. So, you know, once again, relative to expectations, I think I'm giving Vladdy a B. Uh, could be a lot better. Could be a lot worse. Uh, if we're looking at the outfield, Teoscar, it's been, you know, a bit of an up and down campaign as well. Uh, I'll probably give him a C plus. George Springer's been, you know, solid. I'll give George a B. Uh, Lourdes has picked it up as late. I'll give him a B. So, you know, you kind of add that all up. Uh, maybe it's a little bit, uh, I guess maybe it's a little bit higher than the ultimate C plus I gave them, but a lot of that is brought down because of, you know, some of the members of the pitching staff, uh, you know, Manoa, Gosman, A, A plus, uh, Barrios and, uh, Kikuchi, I think pretty square F's at this point. It's been yep. gross. Uh, Ross Stripling will get a B minus cause he's been serviceable and you know, the bullpen, some solid out uh, guys there, but uh, overall the bullpen has been uh, probably a, a C minus for me. Wow, generous! Wow, generous. I, I was I, thinking I, about a D, but there's you know you look at some of the numbers. Some of the guys have been okay. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I, I I'm probably like a little bit more um critical, I guess, of some guys. Like George Springer to me is like a B minus. He's been fine. Um, there have been some some down moments. I think he's probably a B minus. Bo Bichette to me is a C. Hasn't been great. Um, inconsistent for sure. Uh, Vladdy's probably a B minus as well. You know, and that speaks to his talent level that he's got like what a eight, a well over eight hundred OPS, and it feels disappointing. Kirk agreed A plus. Teoscar, the oblique really sidelined him, and he's he's definitely finding it of late. But I'll, I'll probably still give him, you know, a C because he really struggled coming off of that Lourdes. I'll give a B minus two, not enough power, horrible in, in the start of the season, then incredible in June, but he's been pretty solid Chapman. I've been somewhat underwhelmed, you know, defensively there have been, he's made some weird errors. He's also made some great plays offensively. He leaves something to be desired. 
I think he's probably a C plus for me. It hasn't been that bad, but uh, I, I definitely expected more. Espinal B plus, uh, even probably an A minus to be honest. Like, like I think A minus. He's been he's been really good. Biggio, probably a, a B considering you know relative to expectations. And then the pitching, I agree, Manoa uh, A for sure. I'll give Gosman an A minus because it, there were some some inconsistencies. Barrios F. Kikuchi F, uh, Stripling B, and I'm giving the bullpen a D minus. I, mm. I understand that there's been some. I was I was considering giving them an F. There have <laughs> been some some positives, but on the whole, it's just been so bad. So to me, it's a D minus. Uh, and finally, uh, we didn't talk about the manager. Everybody loves giving the manager uh, grades. Uh, I think a lot of people are still in the F campaign for yeah. for Charlie Montoyo, but. Look, I will say, you know, the the baseball stuff aside, uh, I think we can all agree Charlie Montoyo, just as a person, as a man. I mean, you see the way he talks about um, his players. You see, obviously, the way he talks about Mark Budzinski and the way he reacted to the you know tragic and unfortunate news um, the other day. This guy cares. I mean, he cares about his team. He cares about his players. He he cares a lot. And while there are moments we may disagree, you know, I think he's grown on me (laughs) quite a bit, to to be honest with you, um, with regards to the way he is off the field and the way he is even on the field sometimes standing up for his players. Um, But with regards to, you know, Charlie, this year, I I think he's been fine, to be honest. Like, I haven't really had too many issues with uh, a lot of the decisions that he's made. He's been dealt a tough hand with the bullpen. Uh, of course, you know, you know, certain moments where he's either, you know, not taking a guy out of the game, uh, still don't always understand, you know, when guys have days off, why they're able to come into a game in the sixth inning, uh, like we saw with Vladdy the other night. And then George Springer comes into the game uh, today in like the middle of the ball game, even supposed, even though he's supposed to have the day off, like uh, that's kind of odd. And I get that it's not always up to Charlie. But I think overall, you know, I give the team a C plus. Uh, I think I probably give Charlie C plus B minus uh, somewhere in that range with regards to his uh, grade at the midway point of this season. So when it comes to Charlie, like, you know, you can kind of, for me, divide it into tactician versus human being. I think human being a plus human being, no question about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Ta- tactician. I don't, I, I agree with you. I'm not everyone. It's just. Every time they lose, it's like, well, you know, get a new coach, fire the manager. He sucks. Like, I've never been a big, you know, like the manager makes that much of a difference. I think it can in the right situation. But like, if you had, I don't know, Sparky Anderson managing, well, probably it wouldn't be great. Look at what's happening with Tony LaRusa. But like, if you had the, who you thought was the right manager, would it really lead to that many wins, more wins and losses? Maybe yes, maybe no. So like, I'm never that upset unless it's just egregious bullpen stuff. I know people point at some of the days off. He's not making those decisions like some dictator. You know, the sports science department, there's a lot that goes into that sort of situation in terms of who plays when, who gets days off, DH days. So I'm not really, I know he's the messenger in some of respects, so he wears it. But like, I'll probably, I'll give him a C. I think it's indicative of the entire club. Like, you know, he he doesn't exude a ton of confidence. I find sometimes, you know, some of his post-game comments can leave me scratching my head a little bit. And... I think he's a fine major league coach. I don't know if he's like a great manager. Like if it doesn't work out here, I would be maybe surprised if he got another gig to be totally honest. Like, I don't think he's a, an unmitigated disaster 
roster like a lot of people think, but like he's not moving the needle. The team's a C. For me, he's a C as well. And, and look, it's like you said, I mean, people love to rag on the manager because people still have this, you know, belief and idea that, you know, uh, a coach or a manager, they have this, you know, incredible magic over a team and they can take the scrubbiest of scrubs and turn them into, you know, the Moneyball Oakland Athletics yeah. that uh, just went on that incredible winning streak. And uh, they were able to do it with all uh, these no-name guys. And it's all because of the manager and whatever, right? Like, I, all you have to do is look at John Gibbons, right? Like John yeah. Gibbons in his first tenure with the Blue Jays, everybody thought this guy was a buffoon. There's yeah. no way he's a good manager. Yeah. Can't even speak English. You know, <laughs> what is this guy? He's terrible. His teams never win. Comes back uh, in 2013. Okay, 2013 was a disaster. Not his fault, though. Next season, they were four games above 500. And then he's gifted one of the greatest teams in the history of this franchise, and they go all the way to the ALCS, right? Like in 15 and 16. So it's like, okay, is it because John Gibbons all of a sudden learned how to become some incredible no. manager? Or is it because his teams were very good? And yeah. it's because his teams are very good. Like Mark Kotze, I have no idea if Mark Kotze is a good manager. His team's awful, but it's because his team sucks, right? It has nothing to do um, with him. Like he's not out there being like, Hey, uh, Seth Brown, uh, bat a buck 35. Like, yeah. you know, you got to work on this. Like the Seth Brown's just not a great player, right? Like the, the Oakland A's are devoid of talent. So it has nothing to do, uh, with their manager. And that's sort of how we look at it, uh, with Charlie. Like he obviously has impacts on the game and, uh, he makes decisions and he, you know, wears them one way uh, or another. But if you, like you said, if you had someone else in here, a Joe Madden or a Tony LaRussa or, you know, whomever, would that make a big difference? Most likely not. No. Uh, so yeah, the conversation about, you know, Charlie, every time they lose that, you know, this guy needs to go or every time they win, it's like, okay, uh, he can stay like it, it'll all, you know, figure itself in time. Um, you know, we do have a question uh, coming up here shortly uh, with regards to uh, maybe his uh, future, which uh, we can get to right now is uh, Daryl says, uh, I am not pro Montoyo or anti Montoyo. However, however, for the sake of the anti Montoyo people, if Toronto were to replace him this season, what name is out there available now? And you can always uh, tweet us at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong three, four and at Jake Goldberg 12. I don't know if I necessarily have a name. I know Bud Black's name is always uh, circling around this Blue Chase team. Uh, for whatever reason, this front office seems to be enamored with uh, uh, Bud Black. We know no Eric before. Wedge. Where's oh, Eric, Eric Wedge, Wedge. at? Yeah. Where are my Eric Wedge fans at? <laughs> I forgot about old Wedgie. Um, <laughs> potentially being in the mix there. Uh, Rocco Baldelli, of course, was uh, before he went to Minnesota. But I think the question you know I'm more interested in is, do you feel like Charlie is on the hot seat here? Uh, I don't think he's getting fired in season, you know, unless things just completely go in the shitter and the Blue Jays, you know, find themselves closer to, you know, a top five draft pick yeah. than they do the playoffs. That's yeah. highly unlikely. Um, but, you know, at the end of this season, if they don't make the playoffs a wild card spot or if they, you know, go out in the wild card round, could this be it for Charlie? I, I just recently signed the, the I think, the one-year extension, right, to take him into next season, so he's not the lame duck. But, you know, is he uh, on the hot seat in your mind? If they don't make it this year, is uh, Charlie Montoyo potentially gone? Gone, I think. not Removed, potentially. If they don't make the playoffs, he is history. If they lose quickly, I think he's gone as well. I, I think that, you know, relative to expectations, they want to be good this year. They're trying to win. If he doesn't, 
win them a playoff round, a wild card round at the very least. I think he's gone. And I think he probably should be gone. I think it's to me, coaches, managers, whatever, in any sport, you have a shelf life, I think a little bit. And he came in in an era where it was transitional, trying to get the team back to contention and they're close. And I do think that eventually you need a different voice. And I'm not saying that Charlie's not getting through to the players anymore. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. But if they don't break through, some sometimes you just need somebody else to come in just for a different a different perspective. It's not a tactician thing or anything like that. It's just something you need a different voice. You just need a different feel for your club. So if they don't win a round in the playoffs this year, I think he's done. Yeah, I think that's definitely on the table as well. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it would surprise a lot of people that if the Jays missed the playoffs, that uh, he would be gone. I think, you know, it would be interesting who the next person that would come in uh, as far as their uh, level of experience. Uh, once again, I think, you know, the position has changed so much where um, not that you're just a complete full on messenger for the front office, but they want people that will execute their plans and are on a similar page to, you know, what they like to do. You, you look at what happened out there in, uh, you know, LA with the angels. I mean, after Mike Sosha got let go after what it was like 19 years uh, as manager of the angels, they went to Brad Osmus who obviously has experience. And then they went to Joe Madden and both of those guys were disasters. Uh, like yeah. it just didn't work out. So it doesn't guarantee you anything. If you bring in someone that has uh, been a manager at uh, the major league level, like we see here with Charlie, like they just missed the game, uh, missed the playoffs by a game last year. And he, you know, doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, once again, was that his impact that they just missed by one game or uh, was it Marcus Semien not throwing a ball properly to, to first base? I mean, it's probably more the latter uh, that the blue, Jays missed out on the postseason. Sorry to bring up some uh, old wounds for people out there. But yeah, the, the offseason will be interesting uh, if the Blue Jays don't make the playoffs with regards to Charlie's yeah. future. Uh, Evan uh, tweets us at DFA underscore pod. What's the plan for Gabby Moreno when uh, Danny Jansen is healthy? And Danny is uh, back in uh, Buffalo right now working on his rehab assignments. So it looks like he could be very close to making his return. And as I said on the last podcast, uh, you know, these things tend to work themselves out. And at the time, you know, Moreno was hitting like 400, was yeah. gunning guys out at uh, all different bases. He was looking like, you know, a mainstay. And, you know, I, I think the both of us thought I, we would have been fine if they went with three catchers. Um, but, you know, Moreno's starting to slow down a little bit yeah. here. He's still going to be a fantastic player in my mind, but they clearly want him to play a lot more than just a couple of times a week in some, you know, pinch hit spots or some defensive replacement assignments. They, they're going to send him back down. Like, yes, I, I think that's pretty clear yeah. when Jansen's back up that uh, Moreno's going to go back down. He's going to play his ass off and we'll see him here uh, in September or unless there's another injury. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree he's you know shown flashes for sure the pop time the, the throw i haven't uh been super in love with some of his uh, you know just game calling and i think that that's experience there have been some i think signal crossing situations and you know maybe there's been some situations where strikes have become balls uh because of just not being on the same page or, or locked in with the pitcher and like i said that's reps that's experience that's just more games played so i do think he's going down and you roll with kirk and jansen it was working beautifully uh before jansen got hurt and it's a good situation to be in maybe you look to make a deal for one of these catchers it's not going to be kirk maybe jansen moreno by the deadline i still think that's more likely to happen in season but i think 
for the majority of the rest of the season, again, barring injury, it's going to be Kirk and it's going to be Jansen. Yeah, it'd be nice to get Danny Jansen back here to have uh, that veteran uh, presence, if you will, behind the plates. And uh, the bat has been so, so good this year. Just need to see more uh, big-time Jano bombs that are always no-doubters. Never wall scrapers for Jano. Uh, he always gets a hold of every single one. So uh, that would be a very welcome uh, return to this Blue Jays lineup as well. Uh, final one we'll get to here is Courtney. Uh, the Blue Jays have been underperforming all season long, not just the bullpen. Is it a lack of urgency, immaturity, trust in each other, approach, lack of a Accountability, always wanting to play oh, hero ball, home run or nothing. Hitting with runners in scoring position has become a problem again. Why? Um, <laughs> look, wow. I, I don't blame Courtney for uh, asking this question because, you know, when a team is underperforming and not living up to expectations, I just think it's human nature. You want to try to find narratives. You want to try to find reasons as to why, you know, things have gone uh, the opposite of what you expected. Do I think it's, you know, immaturity, a lack of urgency, trust in each other approach, you know, things like that. Sure. To, to some extent. I mean, there are some young players on this ball club. Um, you know, there is uh, some approach issues from time to time with the offense. They were great in June. Uh, we saw it though in this, you know, recent stretch where some of the approaches weren't particularly great, but again, as we said before, it's just the ebbs and flows of a season. Like it's never as good as, is, as it is when you're playing great. And it's never as bad as it is, even when you're losing two of three to the yeah. Oakland athletics, like it sucks and it doesn't feel great um, to watch it all go down. But you know, you, I think everybody thought, God, Jose Barrios coming out in this series finale, Blue Jays offense is stinking it up. Are they actually going to get a win? Now they got the win and it wasn't pretty and they snuck it out, but they got the win, right? Like the, this is the way baseball works. Uh, you know, sometimes teams uh, win ball games you don't expect them to, or when things are, are going poorly. I would have said the same thing when the Blue Jays took the first two against Tampa. You would have thought, man, they're going to win this series. How could they not? They're on a roll here. They got three more games and then they got creamed in the final three games uh, of that uh, double header and then the Sunday game against Tampa. So, you know, there's no momentum in baseball. It's as good as the next day's starting pitcher as the saying goes. So, you know, to try to find all these, you know, reasons and say, is it this or is it that? It's always a combination of things, you know, on the field, off the field. But, you know, for me, this is a good team that right now just isn't playing well. And they do have a lot of holes with the pitching staff. You know, you would like some better approaches from time to time with the offense. But for me, it just really comes down to the pitching. If they can sort that out over the next uh, month here before the trade deadline, I think things are going to normalize. The bats are going to come back. And I think people will feel uh, a lot more comfortable. As we've talked about, we're only at the midway point of the season. There's still a half season left to go right it feels like we've been watching 150 games already but there's still plenty more baseball to be oh, yeah. played. there is and uh, i think that you know there is a sometimes you guys are struggling so you press a little bit trying to hit a home run there and that was certainly the case early in the season where it just seemed like you know guys were swinging out of their shoe tops expanding the zone and it just it, it snowballed and it got really bad really throughout the lineup so I do think that there is an, a human element there where you try a little bit too hard to do too much. You're pressing. So I do think that that's a factor like lack of accountability. I don't know about that shit, to be honest. Like I'm not a fly in the clubhouse. Like I, I have some level of faith that, you know, guys are held accountable and they hold themselves and each other accountable. You would hope that would be the case for any club that hopes to, be a contender or be a competitive team in any professional sport. So it's just like, it's the ebbs and flows of major league baseball. You know, this is, this kind of stuff happens. 
you know, the, the pirates, I think I saw are six and one this year against the Yankees and the Dodgers and are 26 wow. and 46 against everyone else. Baseball is a weird sport, man. Shit happens that you just are left scratching your head and you don't really have a good answer for it over a larger sample size. You might be able to glean a little bit more. I, I tend to agree with you. It's a talented club talented offensive club. There are some, I think, inconsistencies in terms of what they do offensively and how they can be attacked, but their pitching is problematic and you can only outscore teams for so long until your offense dries up a little bit when you have no pitching. And then you find yourselves losing two out of three to the Oakland A's and clinging to a a one run win two to one to avoid a sweep. It's just pitching needs to be the backbone of your club, especially with your bullpen and right now, the Blue Jays just don't have that. And until that they have more of that identity, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a battle. Yeah. And, and the one thing I will say about this front office, and while they may not do things on the timeline for a lot of other people, you know, the bullpen this year coming in, uh, you know, Julian Merriweather, Nate Pearson, they were expecting to get something out of those guys and they just haven't. And, and some of the other pitchers that they you know, brought back have underperformed. You know, they brought in Jimmy Garcia, who's sorely missed right now uh, in this pen. He would have been a very solid addition in a time where uh, things have gone just to completely sideways uh, in certain moments for this pen. But this is a front office that always, you know, kind of gets it done. Uh, maybe not the way people want it either. You know, last year, people are clamoring for relief pitching and it took forever for them to, you know, get Trevor Richards and Adam Simber, but they ultimately did it. You know, I think of the offseason, you know, when George Springer signed and everybody's like, when are you going to sign any of these guys? And then they got Springer. And then shortly after that, it was, you know, Marcus Semyon. Like they, <laughs> they get stuff done. They always find a way to get stuff done. Um, it just doesn't always happen. Um, you know, right when people want it. So, you know, until it happens, you know, I'm just going to keep saying it. I I think they're going to make some moves. We just have to be patient. I would be absolutely stunned if they do not trade for any bullpen relief, uh, any, you know, pitching help at all. And they just continue to dumpster dive. Like that would just be so, so bad um, for this uh, organization as far as the optics. And I think it's a bad look. Um, you know, if you're some of the players too, where you're thinking, wait, we came into the season, you made all these moves, you had Kevin Gossman and you're not going to help us out here. Like, it's pretty clear. We need some help. I know we're not playing great right now, but give us a fucking break. Like (laughs) send us some buddy that can get people out. Um, I think the blue Jays are going to do it. Maybe they'll do it tonight, uh, after this podcast comes out, but just be patient. That's all I can tell people. They're going to do something at some point. It's just probably not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, I think that that's well said. And, you know, I'm excited for transaction season. I love I love MLB trade season. Yeah, it's great. I, I love the tweets. Uh, I it, fire that up as soon as possible. It, it wouldn't be too soon for me or for you or for anyone. But I, I do tend to agree that it's probably not going to be in the next couple of days, maybe in the, within the next two weeks. Like I could see something happening, you know, by July 20th or something like that. Yeah. Sometimes deals get done a week or two before the deadline. I think two weeks before is probably when you should really start to get those notifications, get those pass and notifications on, get those Rosenthal, whoever <laughs> notifications on Heyman, those are going to start dropping. But I don't, I think the next week or two are probably going to be, quieter than a lot of us would would like and hope. 
All right, let's wrap things up with our Teoscars of the week. It was a bit of a rough go as the Blue Jays lost five in a row, but some performances to highlight. Kevin Biggio has been uh, very solid. He stood out, same with Lourdes Goriel Jr., who has just been peppering right field with uh, ground balls for like the last month, just hitting everything to that side of the field. Matt Chapman with a couple of homers in Oakland, a big performance in his return out west and uh, Jose Barrios will throw in one of the pitchers there that actually has been good a couple of you know solid outings back to back giving up two earned runs against the Rays and then giving up the one earned run against the uh, Oakland A's as the Blue Jays get that win in the series finale Josh who is your Teoscar going to this week I'm going with the Lourdes he has been really good like you said the only thing that's been missing has been the power like his last 30 games he's hitting 360 only three home runs driven in 16 OPS of 935, even his last seven games, he's got a 1,029 OPS hitting 360. Last 15 games, he's hitting 364 and has an OPS uh, of about 1,000. So he has been excellent. And you know, bat- bottom third of the order, he's been batting eighth a lot. I know our pal Caitlin McGrath thinks that he should stay there. And may- maybe there is something that he's more comfortable batting there. It, it, the numbers, I think, kind of play that out a little bit. But he brings another... Uh, element to this lineup when he's locked in like to me it's always him and tay oscar i feel like when those guys are going good it's usually a good indicator of where the blue jays might be as a lineup and obviously that hasn't been the case of late because both those guys have been pretty good especially over the last few games and the lineup hasn't been good but if he can continue doing that in the bottom third whether he or or six at at highest in the lineup that's gonna i think over the longer haul pay major dividends for the blue jays Yep, Lourdes, a uh, very solid choice. Uh, I'll shockingly give a shout-out to the pitching staff, which uh, hasn't been great, but Jose Brios, you know, as we talked about, a couple of you know decent starts now. It's such a low bar at times yeah. for uh, this pitching staff outside of Alec Manoa and uh, Kevin Gossman, but uh, Brios, now 12-5 and five, uh, are the Blue Jays in his starts. Our buddy uh, Drew Service, another shout-out to uh, the Spin Rate Pod, uh, tweeted out the other day, put out, a, I guess, like a quiz almost that, uh, you know, what do you think Jose Brios's uh, record is with the Blue Jays uh, when he's on the hill this year, despite his uh, rough go this season, but uh, the Blue Jays now 12 and five. Wow. So uh, he has found a way to give them chances to win because, you know, unlike you say Kikuchi, who has been a disaster for seemingly what, like 70% of his starts this mm-hmm. year, Barrios has had a lot better moments. You know, I see a seven inning outing with two earned runs, six and one, uh, seven and no earned runs, six and a third of three earned runs, seven and two, eight and one, seven and three, and then today six and one. So he's had a lot more mm-hmm. highs than Yusei Kikuchi um, has had. So, you know, while the overall numbers don't look great, um, it just has been so inconsistent for Jose Barrios. When he's bad, he's bad. But uh, when he's good, he's really good. And yep. uh, we saw that against the Oakland A's as the Blue Jays now head out to Seattle for the uh, first of four. All the Canadian fans heading down, always a sight to be seen. And uh, hopefully that will help the Blue Jays pick up some more wins as they will wrap up this West Coast road trip that'll do it for another edition of the designated for assignment pod you can get us on twitter at dfa underscore pod at rob wong 34 and at jake over 12 for josh i'm rob we'll talk to you in a week's time